Hello, and welcome to Tough as Nails, a podcast centered on the strengths all women possess and using that power to live a fulfilling and rewarding life. My name is Julie Bueno. And I'm Beth Bird. So Beth, last week you got to go to the Jeff Shore Leadership Summit. I did. It was so much fun and it was so wonderful to see face-to-face several of the ladies that we've interviewed. Oh, I love it. I saw your yeah. pictures and, and we'll share them, but it was, it was so nice to see y'all together in one place. Oh, it was so great. I got to see Molly Elkman, Sarah Williams, Jen Birkin, and Lisa Anslone. And I knew a couple of the ladies would be there, but I didn't know all four of them were going to be there. So it was a big surprise. It was kind of a fun, happy, tough as nails reunion, uh, getting to see everybody and lots of future guests too. I don't want to kind of spill the beans early, but lots of people that are going to be on the podcast are there as well. So it was just, it was a great event. You know, one of the things I love about the home building industry is how much people really work to build each other up and share best practices and encourage one another. And it's just such a refreshing atmosphere to be in. I love it so much. And then speaking of that, we have a special guest this week also who encompasses all of those things, Sherry Morton. Yes, Sherry is amazing. And, you know, I had known some about Sherry's story, but none really about what you all are going to get to hear in a bit. And it is an amazing, amazing story. I just was really blown away. And uh, Sherry's just such a lovely person. She just builds up and encourages the women around her. And she's worked so hard to create a business. And uh, I'm just really thankful that we can learn from her and that you all will get to meet her. So let's start with um, introduce yourself, tell us your name and a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there if that sounds good. Sure. So my name is Sherry Morton. I'm the chief OSC for Shared Drive. Uh, We provide outsourcing for OSCs, and we also provide solutions for online sales and marketing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Sherry. Uh, We've known you for a while, and we're super happy for you and the rest of your, your team at Shared Drive. And you're also, you won OSE of the year a couple of years ago as well, too, at Nationals, right? Years ago, 2017. Yeah. yeah, you're the best. Well, thank you so much for doing this with us. Um, re- the reason we wanted to interview Sherry today, and the, it's part of one of the main reasons we have the, this podcast, is because we love learning what's behind every person that we kind of know in our industry, and we well, besides the new building industry, pretty much anywhere that we know of, uh, women that we like and that we appreciate. And there's so much story behind each one of us. And part of the reason I was so interested in interviewing Sherry was because her family has an amazing story of how they came to the U.S. and what brought them here. And I think everyone should kind of hear how this happened. So if you want to just take us right in, Sherry, tell us a little bit about you and your family and what brought you guys here. Sure. So I was born in Yajan, Vietnam um, many years ago. Um, <laughs> not going to tell you how many. It's under 40 now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we were, I was born there. And in, this is a story my parents like to tell me. I don't know if it's completely true or not. But I was such a rambunctious child that, you know, my parents realized that a third world communist country where women didn't really have as many rights um, 
wouldn't be a good fit. I'm sure there's more layers to that story. Just um, every refugee's dream of, mm. you know, having some freedom, but having a child in their lives really motivated them to give me a better future. Um, so when I was about eight or nine months old, my parents actually left from Vietnam to Cambodia and they uh, left me in the care of uh, specifically my mom's um, youngest or second to young sister. She was one, the eldest of 13 children. Wow. Um, and the 12th was uh, basically my aunt and I still, you know, she died a couple of years ago, but oh. I always called her mama uh, mm. because she raised me for about the first three years of my life. But my both my parents went over to Cambodia. They had the intention of create um, building a coffee shop business. Mm. Um, and their intention was to save as much money as they could so that they could build a boat and escape Vietnam. This wasn't something like you can buy an airline ticket and just move. You Mm -hmm. had to be very strategic to not let anyone know you were escaping and you had to literally escape in the cloak of night via boat. Um, Some people escaped um, through plane, but that was very difficult and you had to be really connected. So um, I didn't really know my parents as well until I was about three years old when they came back to get me and they had enough money to start um, building it. But there's there's just so many layers to the story. Like, I don't even know where to go. Like, my kids <laughs> went to Cambodia and when they got there, um, they were scammed. Uh, they had Aww. all of their savings that they were putting into this coffee shop didn't exist. You know, I don't know the full details of it, but they showed up and they spent their last dollar getting there and they were waiting on supplies, but it turns out they, they, there was nothing. And both my parents were like, we're not going to go home. So they were actually Mm. homeless for like six months. Like we're talking, they slept on the ground uh, until they were able to afford a mat. And my mom, you know, they would like beg on the street so that they have enough money to buy tools. So my dad, um, again, don't know the specifics, but they Mm -hmm. were able to save enough money to where my mom could sell food on the street. Um, Mm -hmm. And my dad had what was called the sit low. So it's like just a um, little thing that you pull with two wheels. So he would like transport people by running Mm -hmm. and then he was able to get a bike. And they said it took them about a year before they actually ended up having the coffee shop that they wanted. And Mm -hmm. because my mother could speak French, um, she could speak English pretty well. Um, They had tourists that came in. So she was able to make that coffee shop pretty successful pretty quickly. But it wasn't until like five years ago that they were just talking about, oh, remember when we were homeless? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Mm. Uh, and they told me the story of like, I knew they went to Cambodia to, um, you know, have a coffee shop, but I never realized like they got swindled and they were homeless mm. for a while and had to kind of claw their way back up. And I feel like there's more to that story than they've told me because I mean, in a year, how do you go from homelessness to <laughs> coffee shop? You know what I mean? Like, but it's like there's a lot of things I know that they don't tell me. I'm sure for good reason. But as I get older, they start divulging mm-hmm. more and more information. And always really wow. strange to me as a kid 
because we would be in the United States and I would be at a restaurant with my mom and dad and strange men would come up to my father and hug him in tears. And it's just like, your dad's Aww. a hero. And I'm kind of like my dad. Okay. Like <laughs> I, I didn't know him like that. And as I got older and realized like what my parents did for a lot of families, I was like, wow, I had no idea. And I know to this day, I still don't know a lot of details. Um, but you know, the first three years I didn't know them. They, um, created a pretty thriving business for a couple of years. They kept that business, but they hired people who would then bring them, um, money. And when they went back to Vietnam, my dad, uh, became, I can't remember it, like an arborist where they were like cutting down trees. Hmm. And so he was away for another year. My mom was with me. But the reason why he became an arborist was because he was cutting wood and then kind of stealing it so mm. that he could bring it to, you know, his group of friends and they would start making planks of wood to build a boat. Mm. Um, and over, I don't know how long it took them, but I didn't escape until I was five. So I would think it took them like another year, year and a half to whatever money they had put together and whatever skills they had, they had literally built a boat from scratch. Um, and then right around five years old, one night, you know, my parents brought me to um, one of the village by the beach that they knew and we stayed there for a couple of days. And that's when we escaped and we had to walk a distance to the boat because it couldn't be docked by the beach, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, so some of us swam and I, you know, there's different stories of how mm -hmm. this went down and I have a little bit of memory. Like to me, it was fun. Like I was <laughs> with a bunch of people and like, I got to swim in the middle of the night and like everybody mm -hmm. was like, it was a game to me in my memory. Um, but I guess that night my mother almost drowned. She can't swim. Wow. Um, so like the people who couldn't swim, they were holding on to a rope. And um, the story goes, I was from Bunches. So I decided I was going to leave that rope and just like swim to the boat myself. Like I knew how to swim pretty well. Uh, my mom freaked out and she tried to grab me. And in grabbing me, she lost the rope and started drowning. Um, and she was like, you know, she remembered, you know, I've gone this far. I'm not going to drown. I have baby girl and she was just like in my mind it's like an angel lifted me out of the water mm. and I was able to like grab onto the rope and then convince you to come back um and we stuck on the boat and we were on the boat for like a couple of weeks we were running out of food we were running out of water things were not looking super great and then a French um I used to think it was a cruise liner but it was actually a cargo ship mm. a French cargo ship came by saw us and basically saved us, but in saving us, like everything we had, like even the clothes on our backs, because we were refugees, it was like a sanitation issue. Aww. Like they made us all get rid of our clothes, burn everything on the boat, and they gave us like Aww. shirts that we could wear. Um, my memory of that uh, moment was, I'd never had a warm or hot shower prior to that. Like in Vietnam, it's hot, you know, like you want to take cold showers. Mm. So they brought me into one of the cabins and they bathed all the kids first. And my mom said the entire ship could hear me because I was screaming, why are you trying to kill me? Because <laughs> it's so dramatic. Just like 
your kids had right, you were like, no, you will not kill me. <laughs> you had the survivor instinct. You're like, not these people, man. They're not going to no, kill me. Fight her tooth and nail. And like, they required, like, you have to, you know, clean yourself before you can actually go and remain part of this vote. Um, but she always laughed. She was just like, it was so embarrassing like every part of the trip you were just like did not care you were not scared you're just like you are not gonna face me in this hot water again just, no <laughs> um but i do remember that like, i do remember memories of like why is my mother trying to cook me like <laughs> it's unbelievable so it wasn't just you and your parents there was other people in the boat so that's yeah, probably I, why they hugged your dad you yeah think? in the boat i believe my dad snuck and the numbers vary, you know, he yeah. likes to say 30, 40 um, oh, wow. families, but really my mom said it was closer to about 20, 22 families. Um, That's that amazing. So the boat was big. It was not. Oh my God. It was not like you people had to take shifts laying down to sleep. You know, it, we were all kind of cramped and like, I, again, as a kid to me, it's like, whatever, you know, I slept hmm. with my mom, it was fun. Um, but thinking about like 20 people on a fisherman's boat, pretty much where you kind of like slept sitting up like mm -hmm. a luxury yacht and, um, hearing all my life, this story and my perspective of it as a child, like it was never anything bad in my opinion. Mm -hmm. you know, my memories of it were fond other than the shower scene where <laughs> hard no but it, everything else was like I I had fond memories of it but when you hear about it you're like oof that was not a fond time no I mean that I think that when you're talking about this I can't imagine how much sacrifice it took your parents to leave you for three years I can't imagine how hard it must have been for them to say we're doing this but for a very better future yeah. and that's like that immigrant mindset of people think probably are like what a cool story so many things and they tell that to people that have left their country and like wow you're so exotic and that comes with so much sacrifice and leaving so much behind and hopes that something will work out and I'm so happy that it did for your parents because obviously they raised a strong woman that has her own business now and you have a successful life and all these things, but it came with such a huge sacrifice. So I I take my hat off to people like that. It's amazing that they could do that and see like the, the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm so short-sighted that I'll be like, I have to leave Aurora for a month? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, your parents are amazing. That's unbelievable. And the fact that you were so resilient and that you thought it was fun and a game, I think that also speaks to not only your spunk, which I love about you, but how they raised you. And there's certainly a lot of that came from them. I can't imagine as a mom how hard it would be to be strong for my kids and to be able to to make it fun like it was for you. That's just it's hard for me to imagine. She's a special woman. I lived a lot of it, but... You know, I would be lying if I said, you know, that was a horrible time. I suffered. Like, I, I hear my parents' story. I believe mm. how horrific it was. But when I look back and I account to it, like, I still remember the joy of, like, oh, I get to, mm. you know, <laughs> the beach in the middle of the night. Um, mm. and I enjoyed being around people. 
also just having everyone on the boat, like it was such an adventure <laughs> and um, hearing my parents' version. It's like, it's so interesting how resilient children are mm. and don't give them enough credit in how much they can handle and their perception of things are so different if you would just allow them to perceive it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Did your your aunt that had raised you, did she come with you or did she stay behind? No, she stayed behind with um, my cousin, Johnny. He is eight months older than me and she went a different route. So her husband years before, um, I don't know how specifically he knew somebody in the United States that sponsored him. Um, and he sponsored, he was sponsored over there to work as a mechanic. Um, that was another way that you could get sponsored into the United States. But he was, he left the United States when my um, cousin was still in my aunt's belly. Like she was still oh. pregnant with him and he didn't come over I want to say until he was about seven. Mm. So, you know, we ended up being reunited and she knew that that was the route she was going to go. And she wanted to go the safer route, even though she had to wait a little bit longer. Mm. Um, that the route that my parents took, it was very dangerous. I mean, we could have died. In, mm. And that was yeah. a cool story. It was incredibly lucky that it just happened. Um, and really it did just happen. Like my dad planned to get as far as he could to where there was like shipping lanes. Um, so he knew that there would be boats that would come by, but it could also be boats that belong to Vietnam. It could be boats yeah. that at the time belonged to other countries that just weren't going to help us. Um, so she decided to go the safer route. But, you know, in that story, my cousin suffered a great deal because his dad for the longest time wasn't convinced that he was his dad. So, um, you know, everyone suffered in their own right. Like I was such a happy-go-lucky child and <laughs> growing up next to my cousin whose father just basically didn't really acknowledge him until much older. Oh. So when, where did you, the boat picked you up and where did they take you? Um, the boat picked me up and at that time, the immigration laws were very different. You know, there were like France, um, England, Canada and the United States were welcoming people in. Mm. But in order to do that, you had to go to refugee camps first and you had mm. to go through a process and you had to wait your turn. So for a, for a while, for about two years, I went to a refugee camp in the Philippines and then I went to a refugee in um, what I call Gamuchia, but it's Cambodia. Mm -hmm. um, again, had a blast. <laughs> <You know that? laughs> They had like movie tents where I got to see Rambo, which probably, you know, I was <laughs> looking back, that was probably not appropriate. Uh, but, you know, we, we slept when we were in the Philippines, everybody had like a little bed. Like it was, it was like a cubicle bed and each family had a cubicle bed. That was, my mom said it was about 10 by 10. And that was like your house, you know, you slept there, you hung out there and then they had like communal um, time, but you know, she had a miserable experience and she's just like, I swear the whole time <laughs> I had the happiest kid who would just like run around and sing songs and go to other people's cubicles and like, where'd you come from? Like, <laughs> and just like, I, it always perplexed me, like how unaware you were 
as to what was going on. And I'm like, I'm just devastated. <laughs> Maybe you were aware and you just were wanting to help out whatever way you could, right? Making other people happy. Maybe that was your way of helping out. <laughs> you know, I, I was always a lover of people and it's, yeah. it was fitting that I became an OSC because I was yeah. doing it. You know, I'm like, Hey, how are you? What do you do? What would you like? How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And then you ended up coming to the U.S. and to where specifically here um, and how did that finally, go? We thought we actually, there are people who are refugee camp for years and we got really lucky because my dad, um, through my aunt's husband, he found out that we were in a refugee camp, um, tracked down a cousin of my dad's and she was able to sponsor us to Anaheim. Uh, oh, so wow. we spent about a year, two years, like my time frame is really messed up. Um, but my dad's cousin were the ones that actually sponsored us over and we actually lived at her house for quite a while um where she let us have like a guest room and we stayed mm. with her until my parents were able to find a job um and get on our feet and able to live on our own so she was instrumental in helping us start a new life in america that's amazing and you were what like 10 maybe um no by the time i get there i was about seven. Oh, cool seven, yeah Good. That's good. And then you went to school. Was it easy? Was it hard? Did um, people treat you weirdly? <laughs> I, so during refugee camp, I had contracted ringworms. Oh. And my mom, when she, like, she spoke English, but in a very literal way. So when they said your daughter had ringworms, she was like, oh, heck no. Like, my daughter has actual worms under her scalp, and she's so freaked out. Oh. Uh, she didn't realize it was a virus. So she shaved my head for like a year, maybe two years, because she was just so afraid that like I would have parasites. So I went to America and she compensated for that by putting me in these like amazing poofy dresses. <laughs> um, she wanted them to know you were a girl. <laughs> she, wanted to, she wanted them to know I was a girl, even though I was bald. And she shaved my head for a while. And my first day in America, I, or, class in America. I didn't speak English. Oh. I was bald. And I had like this amazing <laughs> yellow dress on. And she was so afraid that I would have a terrible time. But her the first day of school, she picked me up and the teacher told her, you know, your daughter's so sweet. Like she's Aww. such a happy kid, but she has convinced our entire class to speak baby talk because instead of learning English, She's just decided to convince all the kids to speak her language, and we need to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but again, you know, I, I had fun. It was a good experience. I made a lot of friends, and I learned English very quickly um, through listening to the radio. I watched mm. nonstop Sesame Street. Um, <laughs> But I mean, my whole first half, like, I can't say that I had a bad time. It was always my memory were good. I remember the first time I had like an ice cream sundae. Oh. That was amazing. I'm like, what is this? I wanted <laughs> Give me more. <laughs> uh, my mom took me to McDonald's for the first time and I had a Big Mac. And it was like the first time I had like real beef, 
you know, um, mm -hmm. when you're pouring seafood was what you had, you know, your occasional pork, but it was like not the best quality. It wasn't great. So when I had my first Big Mac, like that changed my entire life. <laughs> like, it was so rich, I threw up, but then I ate it again. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you became a foodie? Because Sherry loves good restaurants that's what anyone should know everyone should know that about sherry <laughs> i love and you know I, i literally never thought about that but i think you're right like <laughs> prior to that i always loved food like when i was mm -hmm. little my grandma was concerned like she actually brought me to the doctor because i ate so much she got <laughs> like a stomach worm or something because the king will not stop eating uh, but i pretty much grew up a vegetarian you know besides your occasional fish i ate a lot of vegetables And when I went to America and I discovered like pork and, <laughs> and chicken and like, I was obsessed. Like <laughs> I got a chance to eat something new, I ate something new. And we went to Anaheim, like that's close to LA. That's like mm -hmm. one of the biggest food areas yeah. in the United States. So the moment, I mean, I remember falling in love with like fried fish and I could document my entire life through just food. <laughs> That's so cool. I mean, when uh, when Sherry and I, we met a couple months ago, finally face to face, we went to a couple different restaurants. And it's funny because I'm super picky and she's like down to eat anything and everything cool. So that was very interesting to me because we're total opposites when where that goes but yeah she was telling me how she, anywhere she goes she's like okay where are we going to dinner like <laughs> that's the question <laughs> and she remembers places from what she ate there right that, that's what we were talking about like you remember well here i had this so it must be good like in denver i had that or that um and i love that because my mom does the same thing but with cemeteries anywhere she visits she goes to see how people bury all their people she's like that tells you so much about their culture And I'm like, you're really weird, but I guess you're right. <laughs> no, makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, right. And then I, you told me that about food, and I was like, that makes sense too, because you learn so much from what people eat and how they eat it and how they sit at the table and exactly. everything. So yeah. um, nowadays you have a daughter and you have an American husband, but that didn't grow up in America. So how is your life nowadays with your daughter? Does she kind of? do things your way or his way or a mix? It, so people see my husband, you know, he's from Texas. He looks like he's from Texas. He acts like he's from Texas. He, <laughs> I forget that he's not a true Texan because he spent the majority of his life in Saudi Arabia. Um, from, and I, I'm not going to be accurate in this, but I believe he went to Saudi Arabia when he was about six and he didn't return until 13 or 14. Hmm. So he grew up amongst Americans who, um, his father worked for Aramco, which is a oil company, and they had like a camp of employees. So everyone around him was American or Canadian, I believe. Um, but the culture is different. Like he didn't know who Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch was. Like I continue to discover things about American culture that he's just like, I don't know what that is. And I look at him sometimes, I'm like, you know, I'm more American than you, right? And he's like, yes, yeah, you keep me. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in America, you know, I was about six or seven. Um, I was a teenager in America and he was in Saudi Arabia. So he has a very different perspective of 
the world around him. Like food-wise, he loves Mediterranean food. Mm. You know, he's yeah. not as partial to American food as you would think a Texan would be. Like he will go for <laughs> Mediterranean food any day of the week. Um, but also because of the way he was raised, because of the way I was raised, my daughter who I mean, she looks Caucasian, like there's very little Asian in her, but she'll do <laughs> things that people are like, what, is, what does that mean? Like Christmas to her is Réveillon, like it's not, you know, Christmas, she has like different cultures. One of the things that really cracked me up when we first moved to Texas, I went with my sister-in-law to a pool party and she runs in the house their house and then she stops and she's like oh shoot so she takes off her shoes gingerly places it by the door and then she apologized to the lady who they don't Mm. take off her shoes (laughs) uh it's okay (laughs) like we take off our shoes in our family and we put it in the corner and she's been taught to do that so in her mind she's like oh my gosh i was so rude i didn't take off my shoes (laughs) Uh, and she apologized to who she thought was the lady of the house and i was just like she's gonna grow up so weird no she's gonna be so interesting and i you said she's like super strong-willed and she does what she wants and i mean she sounds so smart already yeah she's you know every every parent likes to think their kid is smart but her growing up independent is by design Uh, I'm very aware of what a privilege it is for me to have this freedom and this ability Mm -hmm. to just start a business because I want to you know to go out in the street and order pizza because I want to like I can have food come to me through Uber Eats anytime I want to like I have so much freedom and I don't want to disrespect that by raising mm. a daughter who doesn't know how to speak her mind, be strong to will. It's like my mom is such a strong woman, but she grew up without those liberties. And she gave me the ability to have that. And in that she bestowed upon me the knowledge that, you know, I am my own person, you know, always treat people with respect, always treat people with kindness, but don't ever let anybody tell you how to live your life and i kind of feel like as a mom i need to step that up you know (laughs) how old is she now she's five years old oh what a fun age it is a fun age it's it's funny that starting a business and a child you have your perspective of as an employee or as you know, a child yourself and when you're on the other side and you kind of see the complexity of the decisions that have to be made. Uh, the past couple of years have been eye-opening for me um, in terms of how, you know, what, how the sausage is made, what's yeah. going it's, it's been very, it's been challenging, but in the most positive way, because I kind of mm-hmm. feel like I've leveled up my level of understanding about how the world works. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, talking about the world, if you could live anywhere, where do you think you would like to live in the world and why? Gosh, that's tough. (laughs) That is tough. So right now, if I could live anywhere in the world, I would be stuck between Chicago and Rotan. Those are going to be, I don't know, not sure. (laughs) That's that's, That's a good answer. And um, Beth, you want to go ahead and I know, I think I know what her answer is, but go ahead and ask her our fancy question. Yes, so we like <laughs> to ask all of our guests, Sherry, what is your guilty pleasure? 
my guilty pleasure. Mm -hmm. If you asked me that a couple of years ago, it would be I watched all Housewives, like Housewives of Atlanta, <laughs> Housewives of New York, Housewives of any sort of housewife. Um, I would watch it all the time. But since I started Cheer Drive, I haven't had a lot of time on my own. So now I think my guilty pleasure is I will evacuate my husband and my daughter from the house. Like I will just straight up banish them. It's like, go to your mother-in-law's house, go to wherever. I will literally pull down the shades and just lay on my couch and you know, read a book and drink a glass of champagne. Mm, nice. That's a good one. What, what kind of books, books do you like to read? Um, I love to read thrillers. Uh, the last, yeah, you know, I, I love just the mystery. I like to beat the book. You know, I want to know, like, oh, so this is the killer. Like, I'm talking, <laughs> he did it. Like, he did this because of that. And, like, I always quickly read it because I'm, like, I, I'm trying to be right. So it's always a fun, engaging game for me. What's a good one you can recommend? Um, a good one. I just watched, I just read one. And I've read a couple, like, self-help books since then. It's called The, the Woman on... The woman in room something. I'll have to send it over to you guys, but it's like about a lady that goes on a cruise and she disappears, and they're convinced that you know someone killed her, and um, it's like a whodunit kind of book, and it was really interesting. And my mom, who only reads self help books, <laughs> me, and she she got bored and she read that book, and she actually liked it. So she's nice. So she started to read like thriller books as well. That's good. That's amazing. Well, is there anything you would like to tell us and share with us or tell to people that want to start their own company? Because you just, did it. Just do it. I, <laughs> you know, I find that probably the biggest lie we tell ourselves and we kind of tell each other that, you know, it's hard and don't get me wrong. It is hard, but it's not too hard that if you don't have a passion for it, if you don't have dedication, if you don't have grit to just do it, um, it's definitely not attainable. I, I was surprised at how easy it was to start a company compared to what I had in my mind, mm -hmm. you know, um, and pulling back the curtain again, it's just like, it, it's really not about being the smartest or being the best or being anything. It's just the ability to realize when to ask for help. Um, identifying, like I will tell you, most of everyone at Share Drive is way smarter than I am. Um, but recognizing that everybody has a certain skill that I need and giving them the autonomy and the trust to do it and being transparent with them. I've literally built this company on the talent and the grit of everybody who's given me the privilege to, you know, work with this company. Outside of that, I just found a problem and solution. Um, I toughed it through the naysayers and, you know, some of the difficult times that I didn't know how to overcome and just trusted that I could figure it out and allowed everyone around me to just do what they did best. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us and your story. Um, I love listening to it and I'm glad it'll be here for other people to listen and 
if we have time, we'll interview your mom too and get the other details. <laughs> like get the behind the scenes too. Because <laughs> I love, love immigrant stories. It's yeah. so interesting to me to see where we came from and where we're going. And I'm sure you're making your parents proud too. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for letting me share my story that I didn't know I wanted to share. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. You can keep up with us on social media at Tough as Nails Pod on both Instagram and Facebook. You can also send us an email at toughasnailspod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>